Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. It's the journey, and here's your host, David Hackett. I have on another journey, and today we are interviewing, well, I won't say it their age, because it's polite not to say their age, but they've been born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, to Jewish parents who are left-wing activists. Their mother remarried when they were six, they have an older sister and younger brother, and they have an undergraduate degree from undercollege and an FAE in creative writing from Columbia University and a master's degree in clinical psychology from St. Michael's College. They are currently a psychotherapist in private practice full time, and we will go into the more details of the bio when we get to the unknown, but today we welcome Rachel Kling to the journey. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, so, as I said in the pre-interview, everyone has a journey. And I touched upon, obviously, your mother being remarried when you were six. You have an older sister and brother. But that's not your earliest memories. What is your earliest memory? My earliest memories. Well, um, I was uh, raised in... Um, my, I mentioned that my parent. you mentioned that my parents were, you know, activists. They were um, very left wing and we belonged to a summer camp. Uh, they had, we belonged to a community center where it was kind of um, a bunch of people who were very, uh, very involved in, in activism. And in the summer times, uh, the summertime, everyone went to a camp where they had children and they sort of indoctrinated children into these left wing ideas. Mm. And my earliest memories are kind of playing by myself in camp as a very, very little baby, while my mother kind of ran around um, doing things. She was the assistant director. My father was the program director, and I was sort of the little baby of the place, and I kind of mm -hmm. got locked down and, you know, playing with rocks and, um, you know, playing tic-tac-toe with rocks and making up stories and things like that. That's my yeah. earliest memory. So um obviously childhood memories are always usually the better memories because they are the memories that you grow up with and associate with the most but it goes into saying and this is how the bio is written as a young adult you had a severe mental breakdown and struggled with mental illness <laughs> now saying from your childhood you wouldn't expect mental illness to kick in but it did and I know it can be a pain because I've had mental illness since I was 15. So I understand it. So tell us about why it happened. There was a, a lot of trauma growing up, a lot of um, abuse in my household. And it was the organization itself was uh, traumatic because um, it was very kind of anti-family. And so I was separated from my parents a lot. And when I was with my parents, there was a lot of trauma. Um, and I was also grew up in a, in a neighborhood where I was the only white kid in school and I got bullied a lot. So it was really no safe place for me growing up. And, um, I think this kind of, um, really had a deep impact on my personality and on my ability to view the world in any kind of way that made sense. And so 
you know, in, in undergraduate, I was kind of just all over the place, kind of manic, kind of running around, doing all kinds of things. And then when I got into graduate school at Columbia University, um, my world just started to stop making sense. You know, it was there wasn't a lot to, there was no structure. You were just supposed to write all day, go to class once a week. And there was little structure and I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know what was happening to me. And then slowly the pieces just started falling apart. Um, this is detailed very, very specifically in my novel, in my novel, that's not a novel, it's a memoir. So in my memoir, I detail very um, specifically and in de great detail, the breakdown and how it happened step by step until really there was nothing left. Mm -hmm. And I was basically completely catatonic in, um, in the hospital. And, uh, it's called the chapter is called descent into darkness because I really went into a place where it was all black, where there was nothing, where there was nothing to be known, nothing to be seen, but you kind of had some idea that you existed, but there was absolutely no, no interaction with the outside world. It was just really black. And there is, it's a very uh, disconcerting experience to be catatonic because the world has no reality. Mm. And then I woke up, you know, Six weeks, seven weeks later, I don't know how they kicked me out of it. I, my my father came to the hospital a lot and sat with me and I and, you know, brought me mango drinks. And I, I attribute me coming out of the catatonic state to his love and care. And they gave me lots of medicine, but that's what I think it was. Mm. Um, and so I came out of its catatonic state also detailed in my book. Uh, I went to a day program for people who struggle with mental illness. Um, and then from there, I met my partner who I live with today. Um, we've, he's been with me through the whole, the whole thing, 30 years. Hmm. Uh, and after that, I went to live with my father to finish up um, the novel I had been writing for my thesis for Columbia university. And it was a very long I don't know how many years, eight years, long, a long time where I would just kind of sit in front of the television, get manic, get depressed, get suicidal, go in and out of the hospital, uh, lived with my partner a little bit, didn't live with him a little bit, uh, tried a number of different things. Um, and then I was very just sort of lost. I was really lost. And yeah. Um, then, uh, everything changed for me when I went to physical therapy school, not because I liked physical therapy because I flunked out of physical therapy school, but because I found my Aikido instructor and that's when everything changed for me. Yeah. So you were saying those dark times, was it a time? And obviously you won't remember much, but probably was told, would you say it was a t sense where you lost identity in your own self, where you didn't know you were completely? Mm -hmm. Yep, and, I had and, no... and people around you didn't see it was you. They saw the shell of you, but they didn't see the inner you. Yeah, people were wondering what was going on with me. Um, it was impossible to to know what was going on inside of me because I didn't even know, and I would just kind of sit there and stare. And people, I would hear people call my name and try to find out what was going on with me. And I could hear my name being called, but I couldn't, um, I couldn't respond. Mm. 
And I didn't know why they were calling my name. And I didn't really know my own name. I just knew there, there were these people who kind of cared about me, who kind of were trying to get to get in touch with me and to 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 connect with me in some way. But I could not reach back at all. I was completely shut down. And obviously, when you rediscovered yourself, that's obviously, like you said, the medication in you, where they found the balance to get you on the level where you was back to normality. But the thing is, and I'll say this, you know, mental health is not a thing that can be fixed straight away. It always will be a slight edge in there that will keep you from... Well, I actually, I'm going to, I don't agree with that because I really came out of it through Aikido. That's what I'm saying. There there is things that will make you come out of it. I'm not disagreeing with that. It's just the fact that I like how, you know, some people do struggle, even if they do come out of it. But you found something, you found something that got you focused and got you back to being you. And I applaud that. Yes, I did find something that got me back to myself. I did. And I appreciate the fact that you have a lot of compassion for people who struggle with yeah, mental health. And this is one reason why I do the journey, because it's about raising awareness of certain illnesses or disabilities. So, you know, mental health is a thing that is a paramount thing in everyday society. And it's not a thing that people should just ignore. They should see the signs and they should say, are you okay? Even if it's, are you okay? At least it's better than just walking by them and ignoring them. You know, I I really appreciate you putting that out there. That's um, a sentiment that I wish more people had. And I think my life would have been a lot easier if um, there was more compassion for mental illness in the world. So yeah. I appreciate that you do this. So no thank worries. you. No worries. So you found Aikido, a non-violent martial art at the age of 32. So we, we do kind of touch upon your age, but we don't want to go into it completely. <laughs> and what you were still living with your father. Aikido saved your and turned your life around. And this journey of yours of recovery is a subject of your memoir. Right. So, and, you know, the pictures I've seen, you, I've seen Aikido, you wearing your Aikido kit, gear, whatever you want to call it. a gear. <laughs> a gear and, and a hack So, and it says about journey of recovery is a subject of your memoir, my walk on the Aikido path, a healing journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. That is a good title. I like it because it's, unique it's got that point of your journey it's talking about your healing it's talking about your love for something that you're passionate about it's got everything i feel that well thank you i like the title too and you know to your point before um i just wanted to mention that i don't think anybody has an easy life i think we all have struggles um and i think that Mental illness is a is a spectrum and it's how you show up in the world, what tools you have and what resources you have to navigate a very difficult, a difficult world. So I appreciate what you're saying about the fact that we are we we continue to struggle in our lives even as we recover yeah. and heal. And, and, that- and you know, the stages of recovery might 
take a week, it could take two weeks, it could take a year, but it's a good balance to have that reflection that you take the time for you to take time, because if you listen to everything bombarding you, that will drag you down again, so you do it in your own pace. Mm -hmm. That's how yeah. I learn with it. You do it at your own pace. You feel more reassured. I agree. I agree. And uh, I was very fortunate to find Aikido. Um, it was quite by accident. Would you like to hear the story about how I found you Aikido? Can it? <laughs> so I went to um, physical therapy school because I was, I don't know why I went to physical therapy school. I, I, uh, it, it was the wrong place for me. But I met, and it was a very difficult time there. I didn't get along with anyone. I was kind of bullied by my peers. And um, the instructor said to me, you know, you don't belong in physical therapy school, but why don't you come to my Aikido class? I think you would like Aikido. Mm. That was uh, that was the beginning of the beginning. And that is a good beginning of a beginning because it's like a reborn you. And I yes. like that. Yes, now, absolutely. Now, for people listening, I'm going to describe your background because obviously when it's uploaded, they won't see it, but YouTube, they will see it. Your background, where you are now, you've got the panels. I like the panels as well because it just adds ambience to your surroundings. <laughs> and And it makes, you know, I'm not... I'm not completely spiritual. I'm not completely, you know, aware of certain things, but I just feel at peace just looking at the background because it's just that sort of feeling. Well, I'm glad and, you like it. And I'm just describing it as a screen. It's very, I assume, Japanese style. It's a Japanese style door, uh, room divider. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that, that you associate peace, tranquility, and I feel that, and there's a simple like a, and I, like I said, I'm describing it because obviously, if you listen, you can't see it, but it's a very simple, at calm, at ease room where you can feel your own area, and you don't have to feel pressured. Mm -hmm. I that's why I got it. Thank you for noticing. It's okay. So you got your black belt, or and this is me trying to pronounce it. Shodan. Shodan. Shodan is first degree black belt. In 2011, and you're currently training for your second degree black belt. Yeah. Now that seems like it's black, but elite black. <laughs> oh right, in well Nidan. Nidan, Nidan means second degree black belt. It's a couple of years away, but I am on the path. I have stepped on the path to begin my training. And how do you feel that's progressing in your own self? Because obviously, that's a weekly thing. I assume. Do you feel like it's progressing well? Um, well, I've only just started, but yes, uh, I'm very committed to um, to doing well. I'm very committed to increasing my skills to that level. And I go to class three times a week to the best of my ability. I also do seminars about once a month, maybe sometimes a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so Aikido plays a very big role in my life. I think about Aikido. I write about Aikido and I practice and train in Aikido. Um, I do my very best when I'm training on the mat and, um, I give it my all. So I think that I'm going to be fine. I think it's going to be two hard years of training, but I think. <laughs> so but we touch upon the past. We touch upon the present. We now touch upon the future. How do you feel 
and we will talk about Aikido as an R as well in this context. But how do you think mental health, especially with how you were meant with your mental health, do you think it will get better for people to understand, or do you think there will be people still struggling with the understanding of what? With I'm sorry, um... with your type of you know with your mental breakdown do you think there will be a better understanding in years to come oh with mental health i hope so i think it's getting easier now i think people i think there's great awareness um there's it's talked about more and um it's not it's accepted as something that people struggle with it's not as stigmatized and there's been a big movement big peer movement to destigmatize mental illness and even a a a movement to consider is mental illness um, an appropriate um, term in itself, you know, or are people just kind of on a, on a big spectrum of how, of struggling and interacting Mm. with society to a greater and with interpersonal relationships to a greater or lesser degree. So I think that conversation that's been unfolding for a couple of decades and uh, maybe three decades, and I think it's um I think things are getting are getting better, and I hope that my book can shed some light on the fact that mental illness is not inevitable, that we can recover, and that recovery um, does include finding some kind of purpose, some kind of way of understanding yourself, of finding out who you are, and why you're here. And how you want to show up in the world, what kind of person you want to be. Yeah. And how you interact. And, and you saying about Aikido, that is your way of interacting with the world. That's your way of saying this is my niche. So yeah. it doesn't have to be Aikido. It can be no, writing blogs. It could be doing like I'm doing podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. What matters is how you show up in the world. And it's not just Aikido, but also my practice as a psychotherapist. And that's one thing I really try to um, emphasize to my patients is life is about showing up. My sensei, my Aikido sensei emphasizes, um, says something called presence over perfection. So that life is about being present, being here. And we, we can't be perfect. We can't get it right all the time, but we can certainly aspire to be our best selves. We can certainly aspire to show up in the world with compassion and with love and from a place of empowerment in ourselves. And to me, that's what life's about. So it doesn't matter how you struggle or whether your mental illness is called something or what you bring to the table. What matters is, are you doing your best? Are you showing up in a way that that, um, brings more love and compassion into the world? And are you being your best self? Mm -hmm. And are you doing things that that support your own well-being in this world? I like that. And talking about your book, because obviously listeners and viewers would want to know how can they get hold of your book and how can um, they get in contact with you well they can go to my website rachelklingauthor.com um and not only is my book there but a lot of aikido videos and a lot of aikido quotes are and and my blog where i write about aikido is also there or if you're not interested in going to see all this beautiful stuff on my website where you can also contact me, um, you can just get it from Amazon. But to contact me, which I welcome questions, I welcome engagement, I love interacting with the world, um, you can always contact me through my website. There's a contact page. Yeah. Okay. And finally, what would you say to people 
to make them feel positive that there is hope for them? Um, I would say just show up as yourself in this world. Love yourself, respect yourself, honor yourself. Um, you know, recognize your worth as a human being. You matter. You're important. You have so much to bring to this world and never underestimate how much you have to offer this world and how much a better place the world is because you are in it. And that is true for everybody. No matter what they do, there is always something redeeming. There's always some place where you can find love in somebody. I agree totally. Rachel, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Okay, thank you thank very you. much. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.